From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP President April Kapu, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. As our 2021 NP Week series on nurse practitioner leaders continues, I'm so pleased to welcome another executive leader in healthcare. She serves as the first ever chief experience officer at Providence Health, one of the nation's largest healthcare systems, operating 51 hospitals and nearly 1,100 clinics across seven states. She is a nurse practitioner with expertise in cultivating sustainable healthcare practices with a focus on compassionate, patient-centered, high-quality care with outstanding system and patient outcomes. Please help me welcome Dr. Michelle Edwards. Welcome to NP Pulse, Michelle. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. I am thrilled to be here, April. It's so good to be with you. Yeah, it's just a delight. You know, you and I have known each other for a very long time. And sometimes I think the only time I get to see you these days is in something like this, a podcast or something where we've scheduled months in advance. You're so busy. Well, and (laughs) likewise, you are as well. Sometimes I think about, you know, what I reach out, good morning, good afternoon, and never know where you are in the nation or the world. So I'm just glad that we've <laughs> found this time together. It's, it's, it's a delight to be here. Thank, thank goodness for social media. So we can just tweet every once in a while, make sure each other's still going and okay and send out words of support. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Michelle, your story is just fantastic. I, I, so We're leading up to Nurse Practitioner Week, and so very excited about just highlighting all the amazing things nurse practitioners are doing. And before I say anything else, every single nurse practitioner I meet is leading in some way. They're just leading in practice or in their community or their just their commitment to their patients or their research is just so many things that nurse practitioners can do today. But I thought, you know, our listeners would really be interested because I'm so interested in your story because your story has taken a lot of different turns along the way. And so you've gone from being a nurse practitioner and you've done so many different things. And then all the way through to today where you're a chief experience officer, which we'll get to in a moment, but there's a whole lot between the beginning and today. So please tell us a little bit more. Just tell us, we'd just love to hear your journey. Yeah. So, so thank you. It has been uh, a pretty phenomenal journey. I have to say, sometimes I look back myself and just, I'm so grateful for the tapestry of experience that I've had along this journey. One of the things when people ask me this question, I can say, like, did you always know you were going to do this? And mm-hmm. I, I say all the time that I've always known that I was going to be in healthcare. 
didn't always know exactly what that was going to look like. I've considered, you know, being a CEO or, or a nurse or physician, but, but there was no inciting event or a catalyst that said, you know, that drew me to this. Um, and it, so for me, it really was my calling. I started out as a critical care nurse, love that. Mm-hmm. And then I heard about, you know, because I started college between my eighth and um, ninth and tenth grade year in high school. So by the time I was 18, 19, I had my first licensed job working in critical care. Yes, loved it. And, uh, but like you and many of our MP colleagues just had an insatiable uh, appetite for learning and mm-hmm. wanted to know what was out there for, for, for nurses. And, um, and that's how I learned about the nurse practitioner role and became, um, got my first uh, NP uh, master's degree as a nurse, family nurse practitioner in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I kind of moved from Alabama, which is where I'm from, to Texas. Mm-hmm. Worked with a solo practitioner, internal medicine, critical care physician, loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then academic medicine as a family nurse practitioner in the family medicine department. Um, mm-hmm. And then started to, to miss hospital medicine again. And uh, that's where you started. That's mm-hmm. where I started, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I got my postgrad as an acute care nurse practitioner and, and specialized in cardiology, subspecialized in advanced heart failure. And it was during that body of work where I think I just started to have these ideas, ideation about what's possible in the healthcare space. And a number of the patients that were coming to us uh, for heart transplantation requests there was just mm-hmm. something that said, whoa, there's a whole lot more we could have been doing in advance of, of you know, a, a, a referral for heart transplantation. And so that's when the, the, the kind of sky, the ideas started to open up for me. And um, I had some time where I worked with Walgreens and served as their leader, uh, clinical operations leader for retail health. I launched 12 of their community care clinics uh, in the Houston metro area there. So you went from working in retail health into a leadership role. So can you tell us a little bit more about that connection? Yeah. So I was actually um, not looking to do that. I was curious about what are these convenient care clinics? And oh, by the way, they're using a lot of nurse practitioners. And as life would have it, um, I took some time off work and I started to work for one that was right near my place just to understand the business model. And then, um, and then out of the blue, not even sure how they heard about, about me, but got a call from uh, Take Care Clinics was the name of the clinics at the time. That was the company that Walgreens acquired and asked if I would consider being their clinical operations manager because they were looking to bring this business model to the Houston metro area. And uh, I had some great mentors in my life. And this was also a time when I was considering getting my doctor degree or my MBA, which worked route. And the Walgreens one was a great way to kind of get that business learning on the job training. Yeah. And start to get that. So you had, you said you had some great mentors. So if we can just step back, it sounds like you had something that influenced you back when you were in critical care to go into being a nurse practitioner. And then it sounds like you had some uh, mentorship as you chose to go into more of a leadership and get that business background. So tell us a little bit about some of those mentors along the way. I'd love to hear more about them. Yeah. So I've always kept 
mentors, informal, formal, mostly informal. These are people that I would meet along the way in my career, um, have a lot of respect for their leadership and growth and development, people that I felt like I could learn from. Mm-hmm. And so um, and so that's how I started to 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 kind of keep my own little book of of people that I would go to about various mm-hmm. uh, turns. And so um, when I went to nurse practitioner school, now that part of it was really, I think, on my own. I had seen a couple of PAs in our surgery mm-hmm. with our surgeons, and I thought, what is that role? And learn more about the NP role kind of through mm-hmm. my local university. Um, after that, it was a was a kind of nice compilation of uh, healthcare executives, a um, couple of physicians mm-hmm. right, who meant well, and um, and even a couple of people who were um, business leaders. Because I knew one day I wanted to try my hand at my opening my own business. So I intentionally, mm-hmm. in my mind said. I wanted a nursing leader on purpose because I'm a nurse. I also right. wanted a healthcare executive, but on purpose, I did not want that person to be a nurse. Just kind of broaden my Got horizon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I wanted a business leader who was on purpose, not in traditional healthcare, uh, to really help um, kind of frame how I looked at the world of medicine and healthcare mm-hmm. in general. Because even early in my career as a nurse practitioner, there was something about the way we delivered um, healthcare. April, you probably could appreciate this as well. Mm-hmm. That I felt was fundamentally not sustainable. Okay. That that this 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 way of doing things was just fundamentally unsustainable from a financial standpoint, and mm-hmm. so. How, how do I ensure that I have people in my sphere who would um, thoughtfully but intentionally um, mm-hmm. kind of um, interrogate my prism by which the way I viewed the world in healthcare, viewed it as a nurse, viewed it as a healthcare leader, and okay. and, and yeah. start to, to kind of challenge me to think about the possibilities and how things might look different. And for me, I knew that I always wanted to make a contribution pretty large in the sense that um, what I mean by large is less about status, status, it's more about mm-hmm. community. So going from the single person patient in front of me to the right. community of, of, of patients and a population of, of, of individuals that it would eventually pull me away from kind of one-on-one patient care but I was committed and still am today never to lose sight of the clinician's um, kind of uh, view of, of how this should be done today and in the future. And so um, I, I am a huge proponent of mentors and, and sponsors. It's just, it's just incredible because when you have these twists and turns, as a nurse practitioner, whether you're negotiating, whether you are looking to kind of um, innovate um, mm-hmm. and it's brand new, you want to be able to kind of pick up the phone and say, you know, um, this, this, I'm really being drawn to this, but it's incredibly frightening. I've never mm-hmm. done it before. Um, here's how I'm thinking about it. Um, what are your thoughts? 
And that's great. Oh, it's been that perspective. It's been Mm -hmm. Mm invaluable. The reason I asked you about your mentors, Michelle, is because you're such a mentor yourself and you've mentored so many along the way. So as you took steps in your career, there were others that were right behind you and they were coming along right after you. And you just scooped so many people up and brought them along with you. And I've seen that over and over again and have such deep respect for how you have mentored so many as you've moved along your career. And so you started, so you were in Walgreens and and a leader there. I think, was this about the time that you and I met? Because as you and I met, you were with um, Catholic Health Systems at that point. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So it would have been close to that time because I actually joined. Um, so there, it was, if I were to kind of think about the, the journey, the pathway, there was the time with Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Walgreens led to me opening up PICC Health Institute, the MP-led primary care center in Houston that I owned for a couple of years. Before I um, was then, it was during that time that I was working in that business that I got the invitation to join CHI, um, then Catholic Health Initiative. That would have been, what, 2007, I think? Oh, my goodness. I know. That can't be right. It's not 2000. Okay, it wasn't 2007. That's not right. 2013. It's like, you can't be that long. Yeah. But that was a national position. I mean, here you're owning a fantastic practice, and now... You've been offered a position on a national level and, and, and thousands of, of, of nurse practitioners in, in your sphere at this point. That's exactly right, April. Wow. And, and what's interesting is um, this is why I think it's incredibly important to have good people around you and to be mm-hmm. open, right? To be focused and open. Sounds like a dichotomy, mm-hmm. but it's almost that you need to do that at the same time. Let me give you an example of what I mean there. I just mm-hmm. opened this clinic and I was all in focused hands on deck with PICC Health Institute. I had all of these grand plans. I figured if I could do this well in the state of Texas, mm-hmm. I could scale it across the board. And that's where I was focused. And so the first time that I got the invitation to have this conversation with the execs for, for the CHI role, I said no. And, mm-hmm. and said it a couple of times and even referred a couple of people. I was like, no, I'm not going to Colorado. This is what I'm working on, but I have some folks that I could recommend for you that I think I'd be great to help with. And it wasn't until after a couple of months ago, a couple of months or so went past and I said, you know, got a copy of the position, of the position profile, shared it with a couple of people that, um, that I have a lot of respect for. And they were like, wait a minute. Oh, wait, 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 Michelle, mm-hmm. why are you saying no to this? Like, w- number one, you're saying no too soon. You need to walk the journey. You don't even know if it's going to ask you if, if you're going to even be offered the position, right? Right. So right. don't say no too soon. And secondly, have you read this in detail? This is your business plan on steroids. This is what you have been saying to us all these years. Why would you say no to something like this? And mm-hmm. so I read it again and, and decided to, to proceed with the interview process. And that's exactly what it was. What was I trying to do? I was really mm-hmm. trying to amplify the value of nurse practitioners and our contribution to healthcare at large, both in the clinical, but also in the economic realm. And this mm-hmm. position allowed for that. It was... Um, the first 
uh, for not only CHI, but we would believe it was the first of its kind to have a senior level executive, at least for a health system that was the size and scale of CHI at the time. And so um, I jumped right in and uh, had a lot of conversations with all of those mentors that I talked about as well. Well, I mean, you're doing exactly what you said. You're, you're, you're asking others, please weigh in here. I'd love your perspective. And then you're doing exactly what you said. You were focused, but open. And that's how you made this next step in your journey. So tell us what happened since then, because you continue to, I mean, just the, your motivation to, to just to continue to grow and, and, and expand um, what you're doing. It's, it's, it's inspiring. And um, so tell us how you led into what you're doing today. Yeah. So I think, you know, it was another moment of being open. I spent mm-hmm. seven years at CHI, Catholic Health Initiatives, now Common Spirit Health, right? because they had their okay. merger with Dignity Health in 2019. And I spent several years there. We had made a, a tremendous amount of progress in that organization. And at the time of my departure, we were we were actually looking at creating a for-profit business arm for the organization. So as you guys know, uh, CHI, not-for-profit organization, uh, creating a, a for-profit business arm because we had just created just a lot of internal talent around advanced practice expertise that we, we, mm-hmm. we just felt strongly that we could commoditize in a way that helped the entire ship rise. There's Right. It's about competition, but it's how do we help ensure that health, other health systems across the nation who recognize the value of moving in this direction not always start from a whiteboard. How can we help accelerate right their 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 growth? COVID happened. I was looking for an opportunity, as you mentioned, April, uh, to grow more. I'd just been named the clinical executive for our post-acute uh, virtual care strategy for Common Spirit. And then, you know, um, uh, I, I, um, one of the executive search firms reached out. They reached out for a p- position that I'm usually not particularly interested in. Um, mm-hmm. I get them, um, I get them, you know, pretty regularly. Um, but it was a um, at the referral of someone that I have a lot of respect for that I said I have to have this conversation. And, and I want to pause and say this because the person who referred me, I, for the life, I didn't even know they really even knew. I knew they knew my name because we had, you know, worked for the same company for the same time at the same, for a period of time. We never had any real one-on-one interaction. I tried, but it just wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet th- these years later, this person would recommend that you have to talk to Michelle Edwards. I was astounded. I've shared this part because I say, stay true to what you're doing, mm-hmm. committed to excellence, understand the organizational structure and the politics, but do the right thing because it's the right thing. Always. There's mm-hmm. always people watching. And so it was because of that, that I felt, wow, I, I need to at least have the conversation because I have a tremendous amount of respect for this person. And mm-hmm. I, I am having this interview, um, and at, at at the time thinking I would only be interested if I could modernize the role. 
um, and okay. feeling great. And, and I can say that on this podcast because I started doing mm-hmm. the interview process. And it was during that time where, um, after a huge interview process, it was pretty, pretty significant. <laughs> um, so be patient. Um, that at the time of offer, they were like, Hey, we've been thinking about this other role and think you might be a great thing. Yes. <laughs> and, and, um, then you choose here are the two it's up to mm-hmm. you. And one of the two was the chief experience officer. So I got the position profile, um, had some additional you know, conversations. You need to go circle back. I'm a fan of doing innovative, novel uh, positions. Mm-hmm. I love it. it. It allows you to put your fingerprints on, on work. Work that is true to my core values, number one. Mm-hmm. But I also think anytime that you do new and novel work or new and novel positions, you need to do your due diligence to appreciate how committed the organization is to the role. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily okay. to you as an individual, right? Because you as an individual have to do the work, but mm-hmm. to the role and to, and, and to what degree is the work of that role kind of weaved into the fabric of the strategic imperatives of the organization. It's just, it's just important that you understand that. Otherwise you can take on these roles and then life happens like a COVID mm-hmm. or something else. And, and if it's not baked into the strategic imperative, if it's a fad, you're at risk, right? And okay. This is really good advice here. Yes. This is good. Mm-hmm. And the same way with, with my role at, at CHI and then the understand what do they consider success, right? Cause if, if it's like, you're going to at CHI, I would say if they, if they're, if they define success in the first six months of having redesigned all of the care models, Mm-hmm. If I couldn't have shifted that mindset, I would have said no to the role because it's a clear under for me would have been a, a clue that they don't really understand what they're asking of the role. I believe that's why we had a lot of quite a few um, organizations who put advanced practice leaders, nurse practitioners in these advanced practice roles, and and for whatever reason they didn't work out. From the, from the NP perspective or PA perspective or the health system perspective, people didn't understand the role. And so what I say to mm-hmm. folks, you need to understand it and be able to articulate it from the clinical and the economic standpoint. So, so it was doing that um, with, with Providence and my um, role as a CXO now uh, going back with, where does this sit at the board level of the organization? Mm-hmm. Are we committed to the work of experience? And what does success looks like? And so here, here I am. Um, about and here you are. It. Yeah. And here you are. So, and then all along the way too, Michelle, I mean, we haven't even talked about this, but you've been very engaged with AANP and the organization. You've been a state representative. You are a fellow. You have sponsored many fellows. Um, you've been very engaged with advanced practice um, leaders across the nations, people that work in many different places. That's how you and I got involved. And so you've been bringing a lot of different organizations in and people in all along the way. And so it, it's not what you're describing is huge. And, and it's the, the work you're doing is so thoughtful and you're smart and you're strategic, but you can definitely see you have never given up on 
healthcare and the nurse practitioner. It's so evident in every single thing you're doing that you're carrying the nurse practitioner, the advanced practice momentum forward with everything. Absolutely. And 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 April, and I do it because I, at the core of me, believe that it is part of an essential ingredient to getting healthcare in the U.S. to where it needs to, to be, right? Like, we, we all agree that healthcare in the U.S. is not sustainable and that we're going to have to fundamentally change the way, not only the way we deliver care with regards to the care delivery models and and payment structures, but who we include as critical players in these care teams. And so um, while because I'm a nurse practitioner, when I say I believe that nurse practitioners are a critical component of that, I, mm-hmm. I get it that sometimes that people might perceive that that's a kind of a, a, a you know, I'm biased in, in my assessment of that. But those who know me best, including the 2,500, close to 3,000 APPs that I led over at Common Spirit CHI, will tell you um, that is absolutely not my mantra and it's, it's not how I lead. Why? Because I'm not just a nurse practitioner, I'm also a consumer. I'm a healthcare consumer and there are times mm-hmm. I've been a, a, a patient. And so at the end of the day, I'm team quality, I'm team safety, I'm team um, cost effectiveness, that's where I'm team. And so it's because the nurse practitioner contributes so beautifully to all of those pillars mm-hmm. that they're essential, right? Not because right. I'm a nurse practitioner. My team would tell you, if we can't articulate why we're doing um, an initiative or why mm-hmm. we are driving a certain um, initiative across the enterprise, why we are recommending the, the dissolution of a certain care model, if we cannot mm-hmm get to our why in such a way that it's not just about professional advocacy, but a why that my neighbor or my mom or your friend can wrap their arms around, then we've not gone deep enough. And so that's, that's, that's really what it's about for me. When you, when we look at healthcare objectively through the lens of the quadruple aim, I don't know, and, and remove all of the other noise, because we know there's a lot of noise out there about nurse practitioners mm-hmm. and, and, and other healthcare practitioners. When you remove all of the other noise, um, there's no way you cannot think about <laughs> the right, nurse practitioner right. role. Mm-hmm. Um, we're clinicians, we're caregivers, we're leaders. Um, we contribute to the value equation that um, ensures that we don't compromise on quality, but we've got to get that cost down, right? And we, we have the ability to extend the therapeutic reach of care teams today and tomorrow. That is an absolute necessity, again, without compromising safety and quality. And so, um, yes, I take, I take it into every role. As an experience officer, it's really important to me that um, I can think through the, you know, the patient journey, not only through the lens of the patient, because that's incredibly important. Patient-centric, mm-hmm. we've talked about right. that for years. Mm-hmm. I believe one of the reasons we have not cracked the perf- this kind of proverbial ceiling, glass ceiling of experience in the healthcare space Mm-hmm. Is because of 
we've just not fully appreciated what, what I call this inextricable link between caregiver and provider experience and that of the experience of the patient and the consumer. And so we've often had these siloed parallel paths of employee experience over here and patient experience over here. And then we, and, 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 you know, if they, the two met, it was by happenstance rather than, than by strategic design. So it's a point where everyone's experience comes together, right? That, that's fascinating. And, and it's not separate experiences. It's that there is an experience where everyone can have a, a, a positive experience. And it's positive may not be the best word, but it's a, an experience that's, that's moving and it drives you to commitment. And um, so I, I absolutely agree. And I, I absolutely agree with um, you said, you know, what you do, it's beyond advocacy. It's, it's really that deep resounding why. And it's very, it's a loud, it's, it's, it's from the rooftops, from the mountaintops type of loud why. And that's what is so motivational and inspiring when you share your story. So there are lots of nurse practitioners out there listening today. Some may be in school, you know, thinking, you know, I've got to get my first job. What am I going to do? Some might be thinking about going back to get their doctorate. They might be just trying to get to work and get home and care for their families. They're just so everyone is doing something differently, but we are all nurse practitioners and we're all moving forward. And we all went into being nurse practitioners for a reason. We all have our collective why and our individual whys. And so share with us, or can you, can you give us some guidance, some um, advice? How do we really deep down understand our value and amplify our value as you so eloquently described? Yeah, I love the question. And and this is where I would encourage all of our nurse practitioners um, to really lean into, to really lean into understanding our value proposition in the broader equation of the healthcare reality. So I'll start with our those who are our NP students today or the nurses who are considering this mm -hmm. as a career. Here's what I would say to you, become a sponge. You lean into your studies and learn all that you possibly can. This is not about um, status. It is not about initials behind one's name. This is about serving those you love and those who love them and beyond and beyond and beyond. In other words, put yourself, those you love the most, in their shoes and how would you like to know if you couldn't be at their bedside or in the clinic room with them what would you want the clinician in the room to show up looking like and sounding like and the, and the modicum of knowledge and expertise they bring in the room in other words lean into to learning 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 the clinical quality a component and i'm going to ask you to understand, become the expert in your role, in your position, mm -hmm. right? 
um, there's a there still remains quite a bit of misinformation and understanding uh, or lack of understanding around the NP role. It's going to be important for those who carry that title to be mm-hmm. able to articulate and share that knowledge as they walk into new roles, because there will be a number of roles for them. For the nurse practitioners, people who are already licensed and in the various role, whether you are seeing patients in the clinic or on a hospitalist team, in the hospital, in retail, if you're you know, in academia, we need you, we love, we, we love you. I think every role has its place and we need it. I would simply say, lean into it fully and wholeheartedly. And I think we have to lean in it, lean into it, understanding the two components of the value equation for healthcare. Because this is where this is where everything is normalized. Whether you're a nurse practitioner or an RN, a physician, a physician assistant, um, I, whatever your role in healthcare, at the end of the day, we are all coming around this equation. What is the value proposition? How do we ensure the highest quality of care, safe care at the lowest cost available? <laughs> no one is going to compromise on quality and safety, but we've got to get this um, the cost is unsustainable, and that's how we start to kind of demonstrate um, if you if that is your north star, mm-hmm. you can't get there without nurse okay. practitioners and looking at a different kind of care model redesign and and actively engaging and embracing individuals like nurse practitioners there. So I say that's where you want to focus. Lean in, understand, you don't have to be the expert in presenting on it, but understand if uh, how you are contributing to that value equation and then be able to articulate your individual value proposition. So when I was a nurse practitioner working with an internal medicine um, critical care uh, physician, um, and it was one of my first jobs, I, the way I did that, I, I had a spiral notebook that I got from, I don't know, maybe Warren. <laughs> but, but yes. And so it was, I could, would keep up with the number of patients mm-hmm. that I saw and their, the, um, the level of visit that it was. And you had your well, data. I had my data. Mm-hmm. That's exactly had right. Mm-hmm. April. So that I could say with confidence that mm-hmm. here's how I contribute to this to this to this practice, and even even in those spaces where you know you were concerned about um, losing you know 15 percent of revenue because of 85 percent billing, I could start to have those conversations where I could say actually if we expanded this, not only are you not losing money, you're actually right. making more. You're contributing more by by thinking about this more autonomously, but how do you and I connect as um, practitioners working in this practice together that we're discussing these you know, more complex patients, but we create a working environment that's operationally more efficient, right? Mm-hmm. More efficiently, we get more patients in. People aren't waiting two or three months to get in or weeks to get in. So we open up the access but we maintain the quality by the way we work together. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, Dr. X, here's the financial contribution of my work to the practice as right. well. And now I just do it, you know, with common spirit, we just did it on a broader scale, 
Now at Providence, I don't leave that work, um, but I'm really excited that um, they are moving in that direction. So I support the nurse leader with, mm -hmm. uh, who's setting that up for Providence as we speak. So it's, it's really exciting. And that's, that's what I would really encourage our colleagues from across the nation and around the world, April. Um, mm -hmm. If we can't articulate that, we can't expect others to do it for us. So right. do your homework. Um, do your homework there. Don't ask. No, no, know your value. Know your value. Be able to speak to your value. What a beautiful story. Just what a, a, a beautiful conversation and so many pearls of wisdom along the way. So I know our time is wrapping up. Michelle, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we close today? You know, I would just like to say happy Nurse Practitioner Week. Um, and, and to all of my nurse practitioner colleagues and friends um, and other clinicians who are so supportive of our role, thank you for what you have done are doing. I have watched from a, many of you from afar during COVID, uh, now in the space that we're in um, and where we're going in the future, know that we need you. Um, so uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's paying off and our patients, our health systems, our communities will be the better for it. They will. And thank you. And, and thank you to every single listener out there today. I wholeheartedly agree. Happy Nurse Practitioner Week is a an amazing time to celebrate, to celebrate so much. Um, and so far we've come, we still have a long way to go, but we can do that as we move forward together. Thank you so much, Michelle. What a wonderful, wonderful um, time we've spent today. And I just have enjoyed every single moment. Oh my goodness. Likewise, April, it was such a delight to spend this time with you. Thanks so much for the invitation to do so. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. You have truly gone the extra mile for patient care throughout your career. To our listeners, I want to urge you to become part of your National Professional Association and add your voice to 119,000 of our NP colleagues nationwide. During 2021 NP Week, you can save $21 on an NP membership to AANP. Simply visit aanp.org to join and use the discount code listed in this episode's description. This week, the world celebrates you and the incredible work you do, going the extra mile each and every day. Please subscribe to this podcast, share with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, be effective and be the voice of the nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm.